0: Welcome to episode 324 of Coffee Pods and Wads. I'm not going to put any sponsor at the start of this because I really want you to go to smalltownstrongdoc.com and pre-order this documentary that's going to be coming out tomorrow, Tuesday. If you don't pre-order it today, then order it tomorrow and watch it. It's a crazy story, like somehow it's all true. It's nuts, the stuff that happened, the stuff that's been allowed to happen. It's all about fentanyl Um in america in ohio in portsmouth and it's about how it just ripped through a town how it was allowed to happen almost encouraged to happen and then dale got involved and him and some others put up a fight against it to try and fix it and try and get people that were stuck with addiction and that were struggling with it back on their feet and it's working Um, It's an amazing documentary, amazing story, there's a lot of bits in it that really make you sit up and think And there's a lot of bits in it that just slap you in the face Um, It's fantastic, so go to smalltownstrongdoc.com, pre-order it or watch it when it comes out on Tuesday But Dale explains during the episode, it actually, the reason that there's always such a big push in pre-orders Because I always wondered this as well The reason there's always such a big push on pre-orders is because it makes it instantly jump higher in the rankings when the video does come out video when the film comes out because it shows all of those pre-orders go in as like immediate orders when like they're not actual pre-orders It happens when it's when it's launched so it shoots it up the charts and then obviously that makes it visible to more people and then that makes more people buy it and stuff so it's it's just better for them if you pre-order it but just watch it, and I promise you, you will not be disappointed. We'll find. Um, <laughs> Savan sent me this monitor, right? I'll just show you. Let's see if I can show. It. So, like my hand is there for size. Oh, reference.
1: <laughs> hell yeah!
0: It is ridiculously big.
1: I love it. That's a that's a gift from Uncle Seve. Yeah, um,
0: he's a good good guy. Oh there's my yeah. that's, that's that's my clickbait thumbnail that I'm working on. Um <laughs> I actually it's at the stage though where I actually don't know this is so trippy the it's like inception look Ooh. <laughs> <never> um, <laughs> I don't know where to put you cuz like when I look at the screen then it's yeah. like um it's like I'm not looking at you or it's like I'm not paying attention. So I don't know like if I look at you, uh-huh. I look here, <laughs> but then it's like I'm like ah. like I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where to look. Maybe I need to like move the camera or something. I don't. I'm and, sure we'll um, we'll feel we'll our way through it. Brian from Barbell Spin sent me that flag there today, but I didn't have a chance to put up. Yes, so no. that was very kind of him. Um, you're,
1: you're much loved.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't often say things like that about myself but there's a good group of guys there fairness very supportive group guys um how are you man i am uh i'm in it brother if i'm being honest
1: i am in i'm in it um this is we're we're a week away from 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 release so just trying to do everything we can to promote the film and see what happens
0: did you ever expect that you'd be in like Rolling Stone and on like talk shows and because like I was just Googling earlier on and it was like Dale yeah. King on Kelly Clarkson, and I was like, that, that must be a bizarre scenario to find yourself in. Bro, I am the least
1: likely dude for any of that stuff. The, yeah. the least. Um yeah, it's it's been crazy, but yeah, I never in a million years. Um, for like you know, swinging kettlebells, right? So, so it's, <laughs> it's been nuts. I mean, I've, I've been happily along for the ride, but uh, in August of 2010, if you would have told me, uh, all that stuff would have been been
0: happening, I would have said you're nuts. Um, there's a I don't know, I'm not sure if that's going to be a clickable link, but there's a link in the chat there for anyone that wants it. Um, so this is. Why? Well, this is one of the reasons that we're here. Um, There we go. Um, So Small Town Strong, which comes out next Tuesday. Yes, sir. Next Tuesday. Okay. Um, I was planning on releasing this episode, like the audio version of this, next Wednesday, but I'll release it like Friday or Monday or something instead then. Perfect. Um, So I've watched this. Um, and like it's nuts, <laughs> like it's nuts, man. Um, I don't like I, like I sent you like a stream of consciousness, yeah, a stream of consciousness. Uh, reply when, like, one day, um, I wonder if I can play this, don't um, fucking copyright me, please. Um, you, have,
1: you have my su- express permission.
0: Um, can you hear that through every man, yep. woman, and child in
1: the county, and I did a lot of.
0: I love that guy. Two deployments to Iraq and then came back home
1: to a town I didn't even really recognize. It was ravaged by an opioid epidemic. Yeah, this looks about as sketchy as you described it. Horseman, Ohio had the highest per capita pain clinics in the country. There's nothing on.
0: Have you ever seen the TV show Justified? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I, like, when I was watching, when I started watching this, I was like, man, this is Justified. Because there's opioids in, in Justified as well. Yeah, like, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's yeah.
1: Uncle, Uncle Raylan, Uncle yeah, Raylan yeah. Gibbons, is
0: that, yeah. Yeah, there's a new version of that out now where he's in the city, I think. I've uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I used to love that show. And I got strong, like, Justified vibes off this. Um, I'll take it's, it. It's, it's fucking insane, though. Like, I was talking, I'm good friends with Tyler Watkins. And I was talking to him about it. And he was like, oh, what did you think? And I was like, I've never felt further removed from a situation as that. But then at the end, further, like, I've never felt further involved in it or further aware of it. Or, you know, like, at the start, I was like, it's just so, um, and I'm sure it's probably the same for a lot of places in America as well, but like, being from Ireland, like that, just it's it's not a thing. Like pharmaceuticals doesn't work the same way here. Thank God. And like, there's not. It's just it's not money based. I mean, it is, but it's not in the same way. Like, there's no there's no uh, incentive to for the like there for this to happen for like just you know pill shops to basically to happen. Um, and like, there are drug problems. Like, you know, I'm not a fucking idiot. I know there's drug right. problems. Um, but it's more so like your common drugs as in your like like you know like heroin whatever yeah, like,
1: your main illicit drugs that everybody Yeah
0: has. yeah your your classic list <laughs> <laughs> um, the classic list favors, you hear about on the news your
1: party favors yeah
0: yeah so that's that like your uppers your downers <laughs> like that's what's usually uh that's what's usually happening here like there's it's it's I've I've never like I never even heard of fentanyl I never heard like before watching this I'd never heard of well, I've heard Savan talk about it a couple times actually, but I've never heard of it like in detail. I've never heard of I've heard of opioids, but only from like TV show like Justified and stuff like that. Yeah. But like and I wa so I watched like I think about half an hour of this, and then I was like, all right, fuck this. My wife's gonna love it, so I'm just gonna stop and like watch it with her as well. Yeah. And she was the same. Where it was like there's so much that you're kind of <sighs> assume i suppose like even if someone had just said to me like um no fentanyl is not a problem in ireland well not that i know of i've literally had never heard of it until apart from savannah mentioning a couple of times i'd never heard of it until watching this Mm -hmm. um but no there wasn't like you assume so much and i think even not knowing about this the first five minutes of the documentary i had Okay, I had this kind of working assumption. I know I'm talking a lot, but I'm going to get you to take over No, there. no, no,
1: please, brother. I, I'm not here to listen to me talk.
0: I, I Well, nobody's here to listen to me. <laughs> um, I had this uh kind of assumption of like, I had seen you in Madison. I'd seen you at the games, and I was intimidated by you. And I was like, there's no way that this guy would get involved in something that was like a waste of his time or a, that was like just pissing against the wind or whatever. So that was in my head. But still, for the first like 10 minutes, I was like, but they're just addicts. Like it's just, they're just, it's just drugs. Like just say, no, just don't do them and then, or get off them or whatever. Um, but I found it, one of the things I really liked about it is I found it really informative to the point where I was like, I still don't understand how it can happen, but I'm Mm -hmm. closer to understanding how it can happen. Like I have a a better understanding of that. It's not like, it's not just like bums or, Fucking mm-hmm. losers that it f- wind up on it, it's like yeah, like there's one there's one kid in it who's like your classic American family kid yeah. like no 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 hardship, no nothing, like absolutely nothing, like nothing you couldn't pinpoint anything as like, oh yeah, but his dad died or oh, but his like broken home or oh, but what it was like parents loved him like you know almost too much, and like just <laughs> it's fucking nuts, like it's crazy how that particular guy showed me like it could literally happen to anyone. Yeah. Um, so next Tuesday it's coming out. Um, and you can you can pre-order it now. Um, and thanks for coming on. This has been great Dale. No. <laughs> uh, dude, uh, <laughs> it's mean, been great having you. All the best everyone. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Peter dude, thank you. Uh it's so funny that uh to hear I mean it's <sighs> It's hard for me to provide the adec- adequate description for this, and uh, to hear positive feedback from it is everything you said is exactly what we wanted to accomplish in this film. Yeah, we wanted to provide awareness. Um, we wanted to tell real stories. Um, we wanted we wanted to tell you the truth, really um because there's great books there's there's a great series um whether you're talking like dope sick or more recently with like painkiller on, on netflix is
0: that yeah is that is there a thing with um what's ferris bueller uh yeah so he was in pain he, he played is, uh richard is sackler. That the guy is that the main guy yeah. That, yeah okay right okay yeah so he
1: he played richard sackler uh in in pain clip in painkiller which is the uh president CEO of Purdue farm at the time was responsible for getting us to the point where we're at. Um, <clears throat> so it's great that Hollywood is now telling those stories, but we also kind of wanted to tell um, not the solution, but a, a solution to yeah. the problem. Um, and through the eyes of really interesting people um, that I'm really super proud to call my friends and family and, um, And like bring you along for the fucking heartbreak. Um, that that is what this issue is.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna, um, I'm not gonna ruin anything, but there's a fucking, (laughs) I I
1: wondered how you're gonna try and navigate this. (laughs) There's
0: a fucking gut punch. Like, there's a real, like, as in, it's so, it's so confusing. It's so like, um I don't know. Here, hear Caleb's here. What did Caleb say? If anybody has difficulty inside of the opiate problem problem in the US, watch Small Town Strong. Incredible stories, excellent in storytelling. I agree. Uh Caleb, just, I'm assuming you, so you've seen it, you know the gut punch I'm talking about, where like watching, like we, re, re, my wife and I both were so confused that you re-watched, that we rewatched that segment like four times trying to make sure that we could understand what was happening. Cause it was like, but that doesn't make any sense. Like it makes no sense. And it, ca- it must be a different, we must be misunderstanding something and we must've missed something or skipped or something. And then I remember saying that to you as well, where I was like, it, that jarring Nate, like just being like punched in the face with it Yeah, was a great way of giving like just a taste of what it must have been like for you guys where like if we were punching the face you had your face caved in in yeah. that moment whereas for us it was just like I felt like I went through like a, a a pipette version of all the emotions that you guys must have gone through of like I was angry I was confused I couldn't understand what I was like replaying things in my head of like was anything said that would have given a hint, or was like, did I miss something or whatever? And it's like, mm-hmm. that must have been like you for f- going back three, four years trying to think of things like,
1: yeah. I, um, I'm trying to tread lightly because I don't want to, uh, yeah, ruin anything. But in that sp- what we're discussing is, uh, um, that kind of all happened. And when you go watch the film, this will make more sense, but it, it all happened, I want to say. Yeah, it was a six month period, um, from like a pretty significant event, um, and I was like, "Whoa, bro!" Like I, I didn't even know this was something you had been struggling with. Mm. Um, to within six months, it was a big problem. Yeah, that was like that's how fast it went down. It's um, crazy, and yeah. that and
0: I just the only reason, and I, I'm not, I don't want to spoil anything, but like. I, the only reason i brought that up was caleb mentioning the storytelling like that was an incredible device of ju- it really brought across the like i said a, a small hint of the emotions that people actually involved in it much as must have felt at the time like that was genius the way that that was yeah yeah uh, because <laughs> um... that like you could have ruined that like the potential um gravitas of that by like post-credits you know title yeah. you know like, Black, like yeah or like at the start saying it at the start or saying you know like you know building up to it or showing that it was you know whatever but like i just think it was like that bit in particular was excellently done um but you you were in the what were you just military what were you in what branch? yeah so i world?
1: was in the army um okay. i was a military intelligence officer and uh spent a couple trips um in the 40506 time frame to iraq what, is that like? A spy? Uh, I mean, it, sa- it sounds that way, but it, it
0: wasn't. There it wasn't that sexy. So no, no, no tuxedo, or <laughs> it's just like
1: <laughs> if there was, brother, I I'd I that.
0: <laughs> yeah, we got to wear a tuxedo, but it was under camo, so no one ever saw it. Um,
1: not sipping martinis—that's for sure.
0: And okay, so Iraq. So that that was like peak Iraq time. That was like that was uh, yeah.
1: That was. The height of kind of sectarian violence and
0: the uh, height of the insurgency, and uh, yeah. that was that was the shit, as they say, yeah. We wouldn't know anything about sectarian violence over here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh, I'll pay, I'll, pay, I'll, I'll pay for that joke. Um, see, so, uh, what age were you when you joined the military, or was that and I, you know, uh, I was like 22. And was that like, did your dad do it? Is that why, or did you have, like, why did you want to do it? Yeah, I,
1: well, yes. My dad was in Vietnam. Um, he spent, I think, 12, 14 years active duty. Um, but, like, it's weird, man. He never really pushed me that direction. Uh, it was it was just something that later on, kind of in high school, that I knew I wanted to serve, serve in the military. And then um, in the States, they have. Uh, they have.
0: What do they have, Dale?
1: Got me yeah. now. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I have you now. Yeah,
1: uh, but yeah. So went right into college, and as soon as I, as soon as I graduated, um, I was going to serve as a serve as an officer in the army.
0: Um, and then, like, like harrowing over there. Like when you came back, were you, were you a different person when you came back? Do you think?
1: Yeah, but uh, not in kind of like the stereotypical way that most uh most folks think um it it, i mean looking back man it's so crazy to think that that was almost 20 years ago (laughs) like i was joking with my i was joking with chase so chase is the uh, producer director he was he's also a veteran and I was like, dude, we're the old Vietnam guys now. Like, we're, <laughs> we're the ones talking about being in Nam, like, back in the 70s when we were in the 90s, you know? so.
0: But even, like, I get that, and this is obviously totally different, but I get that if there's a song on the radio, and then they say the year it was from, and I'm like, oh, Jesus. Like, they say, like, that's from 1998, and you're like, no, it's not. It's from last year. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the CD, yeah. I've got um, the double cassette, yeah. Right. Um. <clears throat> And then, so did you, you were from Portsmouth, went left, uh, toured Iraq, came back to Portsmouth again? Yep. So I left in 99 for school,
1: uh, four years in school, four, a little over four years in the military. So a little bit over eight years total while I was gone. So I came back home in 2007 to Portsmouth, um, started working for the federal government then. um, And I had found CrossFit when I was in the military. What was your job with the government? I worked for the Department of Energy and uh, counterintelligence security.
0: Still a spy, brilliant. <laughs> way, um,
1: way more, way, 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 way less cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You need to rebrand the jobs that you've had. You need to change the way that you say them. Um, so, was Portsmouth then? Um, it was like uh, what year? What year are we talking about with like where where problems started in Portsmouth? So. Um... Really kind of
1: mid to late 90s is when uh, the Oxycontin Express kind of was going through the Ohio River Valley. And what makes Portsmouth unique in this in this story is for for those who've seen Dope Sick or Painkiller, um, when the folks are like in huge lines to get a prescription at a doctor's office, that had to be invented somewhere. Some guy had to figure that out. Uh, and we're infamous, infamously known for that. So the first guy to ever kind of do that uh, scripts for cash business model did it in Portsmouth. And he, his name was uh, Dr. Proctor. And then that, like once people started figuring that out, that, that quickly spread you know, all throughout Appalachian and down to, down to Florida and the Southern States. And at one point, man, um, I looked it up the other day, but from 2006, yeah, 2006 to 2014 in my county where Portsmouth is, there were close to 47 million pain pills prescribed in that time period. Um, that's for a t- So that's basically 66 pills per for every man, woman and child every year during
0: that period. Um. Yeah, and then as soon as you remove people who aren't, take you know like <laughs> right, yeah. When <laughs> <laughs> you remove when you remove all the kids, and then yeah. you're, you know like the number whittles down pretty quickly to people who aren't taking tablets, and you're left with an insane
1: amount—forty-seven million—um over a six-eight year span for a county that has seventy thousand people, and yeah. this never in the history had existed before.
0: And is this, like, was there just some loophole? Was it just like some, it was just never thought of to be made legislation that you can't do this, so this guy just did it, and then it just at, took yeah, off? Yeah, at the
1: time, completely legal. Yeah. Um, obviously immoral and
0: unethical, but... Um, and how no, come, like, why would, like, but I. that's the thing that I think I'm really confused about, is that, like, say now, here, this talk of, oh, we're going to open, um, what the fuck are they called? You know, like, needle... Uh, like basically safe places to take heroin, pretty much.
1: Yeah, safe site injections or yeah, Yeah.
0: and like it's all over the news, and everyone's talking about it, and there's big debate about it, and it's back and forth of is it a good idea, is it a bad idea, and is it gonna promote it, is it gonna help, whatever? And like there's just constant fucking talk about it, or there's constant talk about like legalizing weed and stuff. So I don't understand how something like that is just like, yeah, it's fine. (laughs) You know, it's just like kind of left to It just it just kind of wandered on. And like, is that just the classic thing you hear of that I hear of of American kind of politics where it's just like money under tables and filibustering and delaying? And it just kind of the problem exacerbated so much in that time.
1: Well, let's let's kind of look at try to look at a whole thing here. Um, It was 100 percent approved by the government. So FDA blessed off on it. There's a whole uh, sadistic plot on how that happened. But at the time, um, it was blessed by the FDA. Then you have, you know, if you look at positions of trust, number one ranked is your doctor. Hmm. Like you trust what your doctor tells you. Um, The doctors were being fed uh, misinformation from the pharmaceutical companies saying, hey, we literally have this magic pill here. It's not addictive at all, even though it's chemically identical to heroin. Let's let's not worry about that. But we've done these studies. Uh, We have all this literature. We have all these uh, professional groups vouching for it. And when in reality, all that was just funded by pharmaceutical companies. Um, So it's like you want to blame the doctors and, and they're responsible. But at the time. Everything they were being told was like, this is, this is, this is, the quote was, this has been uh only 1% of patients had found this Oxycontin addictive at the time. Hmm. So you get one guy to be like, well, and he's a little loose morally. Um, and he finds out like, oh man, like he literally has a unbreakable stream of revenue. Like you just come in. He's doing his job by helping the patient relieve their pain, um, and so just give him one hundred fifty bucks cash. Say your back hurts, your knee hurts, your neck hurts. Which whose fucking back, neck, or knee doesn't doesn't hurt? <laughs> and uh, you will take care of you for the rest of your life. And it, and once that genie bottle doesn't get put
0: back in, so it it like. Do you think most people that took it at the start took it because like how much of a a split do you think there is of people who took it because they heard like oh man it's fucking unbelievable and like you can forget like you you know for an hour you can just switch off whatever and how many people took it because they were like. Oh, I've had migraines and I heard that there's this magic pill or wonder pill. Like what do you think there's a split there, or do you think it was all the latter and then gradually changed to being the former?
1: In the beginning, it was uh it wasn't abusive, hmm. right? So, but once it kind of got out there, then obviously um there was a risk of it being abused. But you also have to figure out too, it's like um when you went to get surgery, when you were actually hospitalized this was the drug of choice being administered to you. Let's give them heroin. Right. Let's give them some heroin. Now, granted, like, I don't think anybody would argue like, Hey, if I'm getting whatever surgery, I'm going to be hitting that morphine button. (laughs) I also know when I leave, I can't have access to morphine. Yeah. Yeah. This was, this completely had changed the, the game. Um, So now you could get that heroin when you were hospitalized and now you had access to it um, outside of the ho- you know the hospital setting, and uh, it it was like encouraged. The doctors were encouraging it.
0: I remember when we used to give out fentanyl lollipops on the battlefield, and here we are in Christ with opioids. Yeah, that sounds like something. That sounds like the that Coca Cola used to have cocaine in it, like in World War II. <laughs> that sounds like that kind of story. How recent is that? Fentanyl lollipops. Oh, that's a thing. Like that's that's still, go- but that's also if you get shot. Like that's, that's, that's They're not just like <laughs> handing those out. Like I was just thinking, I was at the I was at the eye doctor today with my son, and they gave him a lollipop, and he was going. I was like, what do these pented on lollipops look like?
1: <laughs> like you, you just got your leg crushed by an IED, yeah, yeah. or you got shot, and your doc sends you, a, uh, gives you a, something to suck on until
0: you get to the hospital. But that shows. I mean, even just that shows the the what do you call it? The power of the drug that if that's what it was used for, yes. if it was used for something of that extreme. Right. And then you and have if people, you, if you, if you, nothing wrong with them taking it. You know, like...
1: Yeah. And uh, we talk about this in, in the movie, but everybody knows like uh, how much volume is in a packet of sugar. Right? So, um, and I'm, don't quote me on this, but like, if that packet of sugar was fentanyl, that's like two thousand therapeutic doses of fentanyl yeah. in just a packet of sugar um and of course like it that's 200 lethal doses so that's like how minuscule and micro of a, a substance that we're talking about
0: yeah it's not. there's some so the first especially the, there's like kind of two sections in the film there's like the first like maybe there's a nice little introduction. Like, I really like as well that the town is, like, a bit of a character in it as well, like, that you kind of see it develop and stuff. Um, But there's, like, a, kind of an introductory period. Then there's, like, a you just kind of get slapped with stats for a little while. Then there's, like, story. And then there's more kind of stats towards the latter third, kind of, like, statistics and stuff. Um, But some of them, like, again, I was, like, pausing me and, like, I have to have read that wrong. Like, there's no way that that, that, that number is accurate or makes sense or... You know, like you're like the number of deaths, and you're like pausing it, being like, no, but there's not, there can't be that many people. <laughs> like, you know, it's just it's fucking insane. Yeah, dude. um, it's crazy, like it's crazy. Well, when you like before you left, then did you re- did you were you aware before you went to school and stuff? Were you like, oh, towns turned into a bit of a shithole? Like, no, I man. I so know?
1: that was the thing when I was graduating because I'm so old now. But um, in '99, there may have been a kid or two who you heard about like snorting pills, um. Yeah but that dude was like way out there. Like he, that person was not the norm, nor was it a thing in, in the, in the late nineties, especially in high schools. Um, But it really had just started being, it started the upswing kind of in the mid to late nineties by the early two thousands, especially mid two thousands. When I was gone and deployed, I would start to see like these crazy, like there was a 20, like in the States, we have ABC 2020. It was like a big news magazine show at the time. Mm -hmm. And Portsmouth was on 2020 and like in like 2002 or something like that. And it was, it was chronicling these, these, you know, these dirtbag doctors who were just, just writing scripts, hand over fist and like old school Pablo Escobar burying freaking cash in their backyard and this whole deal. So you got, you kind of started hearing stories like that. Um, And then dude, I came back in 2007. There were 12 pain clinics operating in the County, 12 of them. And like, you would just see these big billboards and these big advertisements for, you know, pain clinic, you know, come to, Fourth Street Pain Clinic, blah, 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 blah. And uh it you would just kind of
0: see like zombies like walking the streets. Was uh, there like price price wars with it and stuff? Like were they in were they in competition with each other? Like, no, nah, dude. They like you just had
1: unlimited demand. Yeah. You had unlimited
0: demand. It's crazy. It's crazy as well that like none of them were ever, you know, attacked or like challenged by like family, that you know, like family of someone who was suffering with yeah, it. Yeah, that
1: started, like, that did start happening. So that, yeah. so now we're talking 20, let's say 2013, 14, 15 time frame And now it's just like the public pressure had be and rightfully. So like kids were dying, kids in high mm-hmm. school were dying. um, And people in Portsmouth got fed up with it. And through public pressure, finally the DEA stepped in and like pain clinics became an illegal business model. The problem with that is we, were now we had, let's just say 15 years of addicting the population to mm-hmm. legally prescribe medication. So you're getting legal heroin and then the next day you wake up and your supply is completely cut Like you just don't become sober overnight after doing heroin for 10 years. So now pills were eradicated. So heroin illegally made heroin started flowing through and then you get all the crime and associated negative consequences with that.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Um, It is crazy. So you came back, (coughs) you came back and, um, you're working with the government and so you found you you guys you were deployed it or whatever training cross what i assume and that that's a what did you like about it oh man that it just like completely annihilated
1: me humbled me um and uh i I thought i was in shape like we you know we came from a the unit i was in had obviously a very competitive background with one another and Uh, But the camps were split, so you had your meatheads on this side, then you had like your endurance athletes on this side. I mean, it's no surprise what camp I was standing in at the time. Um, And then that was like that bridged the gap.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And I just fell in love with it, man. Like, um, and then I moved back home, and like still wanted to do CrossFit. There was this is two thousand seven. There was nowhere to do CrossFit. Um, but I pulled up the map and there was a place called rogue fitness in Columbus, Ohio. That was never, like, heard, never heard of it. Never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and at the time it was just a gym. Like it really, it wasn't the equipment place yet. Mm-hmm. So on there, would had like free Saturday workouts. So I drive two hours, some Saturdays and go get handled and <laughs> go get annihilated more and bought some kettlebells and then
0: eventually around 2010 is when i first opened up the gym um and why did you want to open a gym is it just that you wanted other people to gain access to what you would gain access to and i suppose if you're driving two hours every saturday there was probably an aspect of like fuck this i'll just build one here and then i don't have to go anywhere i uh, i didn't want to open a gym um
1: funny story is i was i would carry kettlebells into the the local gym at the time and they're they're basically like yeah dude you you just can't keep doing this like you're kind of freaking everybody out with all the shit that you're doing um and so i was like well that sucks
0: but like luckily- so you mean so you so you there's like a, a like basically a ymca or whatever and you would carry your own kettlebells in and do a <laughs> workout in there yeah like the like american swings and whatever else and they were just like no no we Generally, just do yeah. like like i would doing- use a little lab machines and we do leg press go away
1: yeah, it was a bit of a scene, you know. <laughs> it was a bit of a scene. I'd had, I'd had like a, you know, ten by ten little corner that I would use, and uh, and then I'd be like, just doing dumb shit that like caused a big scene. Like I, you know, I'd be, I'd be rocking and carrying farmers carries on the treadmill, or like they're just like, dude, you're not really you don't really fit our culture here.
0: Um, <laughs> you're, not, you're not fitting our vibe. You need to, you need to go vibe somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, like you need take this shit.
1: And, but then some people were super into it. Um, so anyways, this lady's like, hey man, uh, I'm starting a new gym in town. It's going to be like a 24 hour access place. I have no clue what the hell you're doing, but um, would you want to teach people how to swing, how to use kettlebells? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like let's, well, I can do that. Hmm. Um, went and got CrossFit kettlebell certified back in the day with uh, Jeff Martone.
0: And had you done a level one at this stage? No,
1: no, I had not done a level one yet. Because um, I was just like solely, at this point, I became like solely obsessed with kettlebell training.
0: Yeah. Um, and then she opened you, So Sorry, were you doing, when you say kettlebell training, what I picture is, you know, those like kettlebell flows, you know, where someone's doing like, you know, like flipping it out of one hand and catching it in the other. Yeah. Hand, like, is that what you were doing? That no, I, I would do like you know,
1: twenty one fifteen nine kettlebell single arm thruster. But it was okay. very CrossFit kettlebell kind of thing. Okay, okay. Um, okay. but my main slightly, point... slightly
0: relieved to hear that. Go on. Yeah.
1: No. no, I wasn't like no, I was not a big flow guy. Um. <laughs> But yeah, so I
0: can imagine like some of the dude floor, you'd be like, just swing the fucking bill. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you fucking ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, dude. And uh, so she, I started teaching like three classes a night or three classes a week. And um, within six months, we outgrew the little group fitness room. And uh, a guy who I was was one of my clients was like, hey, man, I, my buddy has an abandoned warehouse. He's not using it. I think uh, you could really go, you know, it's 2,000 square feet. You could really move there if you wanted to. And then I was like, no, dude. Oh, you're back. Yep. Sorry, buddy. I don't know what the okay. hell's going on with my uh, internet, but. Okay. Um, didn't want to you did, do it.
0: Was this, you were still working with the government?
1: Yep. I have full-time okay. job. Yep.
0: And when were you doing these then, evenings?
1: So I would, yeah, I would. In, when I was working at the uh, at the original gym, just three classes in the evening,
0: you know, simple okay. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or whatever. So then, did the new gym bring with it a decision of like career break or quitting or like secondment, or what did you do?
1: No, it was just like, all right, I can. I'll tr- I when I when we opened up, I would train a client at like five thirty in the morning. Uh Go work a full day, come do the workout before the class at like four thirty, uh, and then coach a five o'clock class. And so that's how we opened up.
0: Are you sure you weren't a teacher? That's a very short day.
1: Let's work for, working for the government, my friend, even better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I because uh, like I'm a teacher and every day is a half day. <laughs> like, <I'm laughs> fin- I finish. I'm home. I collect my kids at like two forty-five. Um, do you guys
1: get Do you guys get summers off over there?
0: Yeah, we get July and August off. Um, and then yeah, like two weeks at Christmas, two weeks at Easter. Awesome. It's pretty good. It's pretty sweet. Um, so okay, so uh, but it did come at some point, I assume. This decision of like a fork in the road of career, like
1: yeah, that that would come five years later. So, um... so you
0: did that for five years. So for five years, you owned a gym. And you're running in it like whatever, three or four hours a day, and then we're working the rest of the time. Yep. Yeah, man. And was that like a positive time? Like, were you exhausted? Were you enjoying uh, it? Like,
1: dude, I fucking loved every minute of it. Okay. Um, I wasn't getting much professional satisfaction from, from my real job, let's say. Uh, and it you would turn... turn up clock in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And obviously, every—I mean, this is beyond statute limitations now—but every free minute I had
0: on my computer at work was spent looking up CrossFit shit. I'd—I'd I'd have no experience of that at all. I can't empathize with that, <laughs> not even a little bit. Sometimes, so like the kids come in in the morning. Fuck, should I say this? No, it's fine. <laughs> kids come in. <laughs> kids come in, in the morning. Uh, school starts at like eight forty, and the kids come in. Start coming in at about like eight thirty-five. And, like, until 8.50 or 8.55, they do, like, this kind of mental maths book, like, of, you know, like just quick edition and stuff. And when they're doing that, I'm just, like, flat out on Reddit or whatever website. Just, like, and they're, like, coming up and I'm just, like, you know, slowly closing. Yes. <laughs> it's like yeah. I'm stuck in question seven. It's like, okay. You know, like, that's the end of my CrossFit for the morning then. um, Yeah, I think that's a very common a common thing in a, in this environment of, like... Yeah. Burning the candle at both ends and focusing on two things.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I, I was young enough. I'd had no kids at the time. So it was just like going from five to seven, eight o'clock at night was, it was no big issue. Um, and I was, I, I was completely, utterly obsessed. Yeah. Um, and, and like the, like that was it, dude. Like my gym gave me uh a unit to belong to it gave me a sense of purpose um and that's all i cared about i mean it's really all i still do care about but especially like at
0: that time um i didn't know anything else were you were you uh okay before then like were you lost or were you like were you fine and just kind of muddled along and didn't realize it or i i didn't like it's easier to look back and, and see, but, uh,
1: dude, I, I did some of the, like the f- coolest shit imaginable when I was in the army. and still had like a cool job, but I was just like, man, my life is without fucking meaning,
0: um, uh, compared to what I was doing. Hmm. And, um, Is that just cause the, the situations you're in were so high value as in like, such a big impact on things
1: yeah 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 i mean and that's the thing is like you when you're in that you you have no frame of reference to compare that to at the time um and you you like there's never a day that you wonder if what you're doing makes a difference in the world Yeah, Um, and then when you get out of that um high impact environment let's say
0: you're just like well oh, then that is your frame of reference for everything right. that is but your frame every, that's exactly everything your frame else of worthless like or moneyless. like
1: compared to that and then it's just like uh and then like in the states dude you, you you work you get a government job and you go from one end of like a merit-based organization and you sw- swing <laughs> completely the other way to like it doesn't matter what you do; yeah, you're it's in. Just in,
0: in incremental pay increase. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah,
1: keep, yeah. just keep shuffling your feet down the hallway, and you'll be able to retire in 30 years, and then die a meaningless life afterwards. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't want to do that, man. Like that, yeah. I can't. That I'll hate
0: myself. Um. Uh, so five years into it, then you what? You quit? Quit. I quit. Um, were you married at that the time? Yeah, finally, uh, and I, had, my wife saw
1: the the painting on the wall. She was just like, "Did you have kids yet?" No, no, no kids, no kids. Yeah. And uh, finally, I can like we got the gym up to a certain revenue level okay, where I was yeah. like, "Hey, give let me get it to this level, and then I'll be able to make a break, and we won't notice that big of an impact." Um, she bought it. For, <laughs> she bought it. Uh, cause like, you know, everybody owns a business. Like man, what you don't know, you fucking don't know. And like unforeseen expenses and this happens and that happens. Um, but she bought it and God bless her for allowing me to, to do that. And, um, so now I was like full time. Like, this is like, now I'm a gym owner full time and I could spend
0: Cause it's even like, even like you just said there that all you have to do is shuffle along your feet and you get your pension and you'll, you know, you retire or whatever. Like, whereas if you quit, it's like, all right, Dale, fuck you. And it's That's just right. like, you're on your, like, you're just on your own. There's no pension. There's no yeah. safety net anymore. Like, so that it's like, it's scary, but it just shows the passion I suppose that you had for it. Um, The first couple of months after you did it, like, was there, did you ever have a moment of like, Oh Jesus, like, what have I done? Like, maybe I should go back.
1: No, dude. And, and this is what I tell people now, like when they ask me about it, I'm just like, Hey, don't make a dumb decision. Number one. Uh, I didn't go full time on year one. Yeah. It took me five years to get there. So it was a, you know, it was a bit of a mitigated risk. Um, but what I also now I'm able to tell people is like, you don't know how much more creative energy impact you can have if you do it full time. Um, cause you're kind of like stuck, you know, being, being yeah. pulled by, by two different forces. Um, and then when, when you, when you're a lion and you got to hunt for your food versus being a lion in the zoo, like you can unleash some pretty creative energy to, to get stuff, to get, to get stuff done in that year. Um, that summer that I quit, we, my business partner and I launched another, uh, side hustle. It was called doc Spartan that same year. And, you know, as God had plans for us a year after that in 2016, we were filming an episode for Shark Tank. Uh, so it's just like, that would have never happened had I still
0: been working my full-time job. Uh, so Shark Tank, that's like, I think we call that like Dragon's Den, do we? Is that yeah. You yeah, 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 okay. Um, and wh- what, what was the, what was that like? <laughs>
1: uh, that was just like a circus show of, Stress and like navigating, trying to manage conversations, not look like an idiot, um, but also like a very wonderful experience in the fact that I I don't have a business background. Yeah, um, I, I I mean I would say I was a decent affiliate owner, um, because my heart was in the right place, but I had no e-commerce direct-to-consumer product line experience whatsoever. A fucking
0: awesome. TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, Dale, you've had a fucking weird life.
1: Brother, we- <sighs> that, that is the best way to uh, to describe it. A very weird life.
0: That's crazy. As seen on Fox News. That's nuts. Um, yeah, so this features heavily in the documentary as well, then. Yep, um, and we'll we'll get to that later on, but just, I just when I saw that like cutting implement, I was like, oh, I recognize that. <laughs> um, yeah, so this, it's, so it's basically like deodorant, uh, like different skincare, and then de- yep. like body, like soap, body wash, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, we um, we hand make um all of our products, all of our skincare and grooming products, um, from all natural ingredients. Um, and we do that. Do that with folks who who are in recovery.
0: God, I might buy some of that for myself. Um, and uh, yeah, so you started doing that. Uh, why? Like, what was that? Just like gap in the market kind of thing, or like what brought that up?
1: So the first product we ever had um, was a all natural first aid ointment. It's called Combat Ready Ointment, and um, at the time. I was doing a lot of work with adaptive athletes. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, everybody knows in CrossFit who adaptive athletes are. Um, So we, my buddy, uh, unfortunately, lost his leg in Afghanistan in an IED attack. And to help get back on his feet, like I was um, telling him everything I did to open up my CrossFit gym. And so he was kind of doing the same thing. And then, to, you know, eventually it led to people wanting us to put together a team of adaptive athletes like back in 2013 to compete in these like local CrossFit competitions. Um, <laughs> smooth. That's such a good name for a voice writer. That's so funny. Yeah, dude, we, we, we're, we're known to have a little fun. Uh, we yeah, don't take yeah. ourselves too serious.
0: That's cool. Um,
1: but working with those adaptive athletes, we, we would see like they get pretty gnarly rashes for where their prosthetic limb fits into their uh, yeah. device. So a lady at my gym was, uh, she was making like all natural creams and lotions on the side, like some farmer's markets. And I was like, Hey, like you should look into making a first aid ointment. I think we could like sell it here at the gym. And uh, that's what she did, man. Like on the kitchen table, like we said, we'd be 50, 50 partners in it and just going to sell a few items to our, to the members at the gym was the, was the purpose
0: of it um the first day I mean, at is that like I don't know if you guys have that is that like is it basically basically like nappy cream essentially or diaper cream yep yeah yep. okay um just so I can picture like what I'm thinking of here um yep. okay so that started off and then it just grew a little bit I guess like slowly over time like oh we need a bigger like we need a bigger table oh we need two people doing this we need four people doing that like just kind of got bigger and bigger um and then um What's this Caleb saying now? Uh I've heard CRO works really well on deployment tattoos too. Yeah,
1: he, he may have first hand knowledge of that.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, he's Mill as well, isn't he? I've always wanted oh, yeah. to say that. He's Mill. I've always wanted <laughs> to say that. Um, so he yeah. uh yeah, so and then uh, okay, we'll come back to that Spartan in a minute. I just want to get to I'm kind of trying to follow a time. Yeah, line. I mean,
1: sorry, it's it's no, I like
0: either. I like fucky <laughs> no I'm liking uh, there's a lot of stuff that I want to talk about I feel like I can't just like dive straight in and skip bits Um. so you, you open the gym and then at what point did like is it a case that someone just joined the gym and was you were like oh that person's an addict like they're you know like they told you or you realized or whatever and then you thought you could have to or was it an outreach thing like were you going and finding people or how did how did the how did the link come between people who are addicted to fentanyl or previously addicted to fentanyl coming to train with you
1: um i would challenge anyone that would had a more negative viewpoint on addicts than i did at that time Um, from the time i returned home clear through 2018 uh, because I viewed them as like the mascot for everything that was wrong in our town. It was their problem. They had ruined the town. They had brought this sea of criminality to our area and it had rotted our town from within, was my point of view at the time. And mm. um, it wasn't until uh, my very good friend, who he was, happened to be my personal attorney. Um, was working out the gym. His name's Billy. He's he's featured in the film. He's like, hey man, I got a new job as general counsel for an addiction treatment center in town, which happened to be the area's largest nonprofit treatment center called the Counseling Center. Uh he's like, CrossFit has been basically my saving grace as someone in recovery. I was like, dude, I didn't even know you were in recovery or an (laughs) You're like,
0: sorry about all that shit I said in front of you for the last.
1: (laughs) And uh, he's like, yeah, like we need to, once I get over there, I'm going to push for them to open up a gym and I want you guys to go give CrossFit classes over there. So I was like, yeah, man, that'd be great. Like I, I, if it helped you and I've seen by this point, I, we're now talking however many, 13 years in the game, um, eight, no, eight years in the game. CrossFit helped me. CrossFit helped a lot of other mill mil buddies like myself. Um, I saw how it had been a therapeutic outlet for adaptive athletes who obviously have gone through significant trauma in their life. And I was like, "Yeah, man, let's 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 do it." So, Billy was the creator of the idea uh, for us to go give uh, CrossFit classes to people in recovery.
0: And when you started doing it, were you like did, like? So he obviously kind of broached you and, you know, talked you into it a bit, I suppose, or whatever. But, like, did you still feel like you had those stigmas or those assumptions that you had to get over at the start? Like, did you find it hard the first, like, I don't know, two months or whatever, you're frozen again? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry you. Back. Did, like, did you find the first couple of months, where you, like, still, did you still have those thoughts in your head of, like, oh, fuck these guys? or Or were you able to walk in and just be, like, give it your all straight away? I, I was able to walk in and give it my all straight away. Um,
1: yeah, I told, I was like I was in it to for an open mind, and I really like wanted. To, you know, Billy had kind of greased his skids, like let let me know what was going to happen, yeah. um, and like it wasn't. He'd helped me change my viewpoint, and it was just like they helped me. I feel way more than I've ever helped them, and that was just like the best. Opportunity. The best time to have a conversation with somebody is right after a workout, and um I wasn't approaching it from a judgmental point of view. I was just like very curious because I was just like, "How the hell do you try heroin? Like you, you, you like you know, like it's not going to be a surprise. Like you know what's going to happen. Yeah. Like no one's a social heroin user. Like that's not that's not heard of. And." Uh, they were just very honest with me about how they got to where they were in their life. And, uh, that's when I really began to understand, um, what people are going through with addiction and completely changed my entire viewpoint.
0: And if they're in that place, are they in the process of recovery? Like, is that they have to, do they have to go through certain steps to get to there? Or can they literally just stop on a Friday and go in on a Saturday? They
1: can, They, they can do that for sure. Like there's, uh, we will have people that come to our classes that are, you know, 24, 48 hours sober. Uh, We'll also have people in there that are seven years sober, but to be, to be a client, there's like levels of treatment and care. Uh, The most intensive is inpatient. So you're, you're basically there. You can't really go anywhere for a period of 30, 60, 90 days. Um, Then there's like what they call outpatient care. So you have a place Uh, You might have a part-time job, but you still go back to the counselling centre to receive services. But we work with all of them.
0: There's a guy in the documentary who uh, was... He lived somewhere else, I think, and the judge... He was praying that he wasn't going to get let back out because he knew if he got let back out, he was just going to take more drugs and like he'd just be back. And the judge said, oh, I'll send you to Portsmouth instead. Is that... Because of your program, because of that place, because of that like clinic that was running CrossFit and stuff, is that why he was sending him there? It
1: not not specifically because of our program, but because
0: specifically because
1: of that facility. Yeah, it, it has a reputation for being one of the the most results driven uh, agencies in the state.
0: Yeah. It's interesting, like because it's kind of counterintuitive to oh you have a drug problem. I'm going to send you to Portsmouth. Sounds like <laughs> sounds like a bad plan. It's like oh you've got a gambling problem. Well, there's this great place in Vegas. I'm going to send you there. Um, right. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, so it, is it is it self contained within that, or do you does it come to like do you bring those members of the um I'm lost for the fucking word the place. Clinic. TCC Kelsey yeah. Center. Do you take them from there to your gym as well? Like, do they come to both, or is it all like in house? Say,
1: the if they're a client that's inpatient or outpatient, they stay at that gym. Okay. Um, what we will do is, given enough openings and opportunities, we'll take once they're ready. We'll take clients and then offer them jobs at one
0: of the three businesses that I have. So um, those those three Doc Spartan, the kettlebells.
1: Yeah. So the uh, we yeah we have like a small parts machining and packaging company.
0: This fucking, fucking internet man. I uh, did. Sorry, I got you there. Yeah, I think Philip nailed on the head Portsmouth internet. Um. So you uh, that was was that in the lockdown and stuff with gym equipment? You started doing that kettlebells. And are, yeah, they rogue, so- are they, are they roll kettlebells that you're repackaging basically, is it, or that you're finishing yeah. off by it?
1: No, we're just a subcontractor. So it's a hundred percent rogue kettlebells that, um, that fortunately, uh, rogue decided to go with a foundry in Portsmouth to make those kettlebells, which was really, really cool for me.
0: Foundry is like melting metal and pouring it in whatever. Okay. Yep. We don't really have those here. I don't think, I don't, I don't know. I I don't have one around that I can see to, <laughs> it's not, it's not, there's none of my field of vision. Um, Okay. That's cool. So, and what's the third business then? Uh, Doc Spartan. So Doc Spartan, PSKC, CrossFit, and then Spartan Solutions. Right? Or oh, the actual job. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Or the gym. Okay. Um, And then, and how do you like, you've surely been burned. Like you've surely hired people or, or, Or invested, even not even gotten to that stage, but like invested people, invested your time and your care into people and your compassion and your energy and everything and then have them just disappear. Or have like, you know, they could be, maybe they're a client in the facility and you're like, oh, this like, you know, they're going to do it. Like, I'm so proud of them, blah, blah, blah. And then they're gone. And like, you surely have had those moments, I would imagine like multiple times because it's the nature of the addiction. It's not like, you know, like you know, reading up about it, um, I say reading like Instagram posts maybe. Um, but like it's like basically it's the same thing, the same part of the brain for sugar and you know, like it's the it's the addiction center is the thing that's driving it and there's no logic to it. There's no like you know, it's not an obvious victim that gets sucked in. It's like it can happen to anyone. So then the nature of that means that like no matter how far into your recovery you are, it doesn't take much. To talk yourself into like uh, one is fine Um, like h- how do you pick then who you bring like to, to employ like do you just do, do is it just anyone that makes it through is viable for a job or do you say like okay well we can take on X amount of people and I have full trust in that person because I've spent enough time with them to understand and know that they're not going to let me down or whatever or do you just employ everyone and hope that they don't let you down
1: we um, we kind of rigged the system in our favor. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, I do CrossFit classes over there. Uh, we, you know, we do 20, 25 classes a week there. Um, and I just kind of use that as a recruitment and selection period. So um, I only bring over people that I've seen, go through those classes so i can kind
0: of get like a character
1: assessment of them yeah are you um, looking
0: for something specific in that class like as in like you can tell a lot by someone by how they work out like rep shavers yep. 100%. no right? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like someone yeah. st- stands up from their 20th burpee you know they've done 15 you're like oh you're not getting a job at doc spartan buddy. You, can, <laughs> you can jog on it's uh yeah it's a it's a feel man
1: uh it it just and that's just not from i mean owning a gym for owning a gym for however many years now 13 i will have employers that come to the area ask me like hey who would be really good to work for my company like and if if i'm gonna do that like i want to hire people from a crossfit gym regardless of addiction or not like i think that's the smartest thing you could do is like if you're gonna open up a company in a new town, go to that CrossFit gym, ask that owner, Hey, do you have any any really good people that could hire? Because you're gonna find your like most disciplined, most committed, most hardworking people
0: in there. And uh, they'll weed out the shitheads. They'll yes. weed out the like, Oh yeah, no, not that guy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, teamwork, he'll, yeah. he'll ruin your whatever your team is, he'll ruin the dynamic. you <laughs> will <He'll>, like, yeah, <laughs> no, not that. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. And so
1: I just um have been able to use that to to our own advantage, and it doesn't work out. Like we're not one hundred percent. You know, is it is it hard when it doesn't work out? Like, is it hard? When, well, it's fucking. It, the first time's the worst. Uh, the first time's the worst. We actually kind of in the beginning we took two guys through. Uh, one is featured in the movie, He's Andrew, hmm. the guy you were talking about earlier. Um, and there was another guy that went through at the same time as him, and um, this dramatic pause.
0: It's getting longer. But he's not in the documentary, so it's safe to assume. Dude, I fucking so sorry. No, it's fine. Sorry. Uh, I was guessing what happened to the other guy. So you said that there's another guy that came through at the same time and and I was like, Well, he didn't make the documentary. That's a bad uh,
1: yeah. Um, so we did
0: like we did like a, a
1: snatch and grab on him basically because he was kinda out out in the wild. Um and luckily like he went back to treatment but in the process he uh
0: sorry so he left and you went and found him and brought him back yeah yeah um is that common
1: no (laughs) (laughs) it's it's not it's not common at all but like what was i gonna do like that so he had
0: he had made it so far that you were like well you're not fucking failing now basically well, he had, made
1: it, he had made it, like, I had obviously developed a, a close attachment relationship with him. Yeah. And, but it's just, like, if one of your, if somebody you work with or one of your friends you know is out in the wild, it's, like, there's two things that's going to happen. He's going to die, um, or he's going to, like, go further down the rabbit hole.
0: So this is, a, this is an amazing comment from Kenneth Crossfit. Sounds like the Mormon Church. I was literally just thinking that as he, he like went and grabbed him, as like he was like, "I'm not doing Crossfit anymore." And you like <laughs> dragged him into a van and brought him back. It's like pick up that fucking cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so so, but then even like lesser. Like it must be just exhausting, like to a lesser extent, like obviously he's really far into it, and you've built up this big relationship and everything, but I'm assuming it's very common to see someone for two days and then like at the start and then never see them again or for a week and never see them yeah. again or for yeah. two weeks and never and like you have to but but you also then have to meet each new person with the same level of enthusiasm and rolling out the red carpet for them or you know bringing them in as much as you possibly can because you don't want to assume like well, the last four people fucked me over, so this person probably will. And then, like, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, basically.
1: Yeah. I mean, we we learned the hard way, dude. Like, we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Um, But, you know, we had guys in the film, like Billy and Max, who were, you know, counselors and clinicians kind of helping us understand. And when that happened, I looked at my business partner, because he was working for Doc Spartan at the time, and I was just like, we have to make a decision now. Like, are we going to continue to do this or not? Um, Because if everybody we work with is going to be a home run hitter, then this is not going to be a very difficult thing. Um, So we, we just came up with a policy that was just like, Hey, um, if when, and if you do relapse, we just need you to be honest with us. We need you to go back into treatment, follow the advice of the counselors and we'll have a job waiting for you in 60 180 days like however many however long it takes um yeah. but if you don't tell us and you're not honest with us we can't we can't help you
0: yeah see i think like i don't like i really admire your um like your patience and your compassion because like i don't like I don't, i don't know if i'd have it in me to it's kind of like rejection. It's kind of like getting rejected by a girl. I just keep going, like, just being like, oh, well, on to the next one. And then you just go and get like rejected again. And then it's like, oh, well, on to the next one. It's like, you yeah. have kind of a, a goldfish memory about it, about the hurt or about like being let down or, you know, like that. You, 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 like, because I'm assuming like you can't, you can't be cold to the people when you're coming in. Like, you have to be like, oh, it's great, like that you're here and blah, blah, blah and whatever. And then, um well maybe it can be like what's your approach like when someone comes in are you like is it like a almost a military type approach is it like just you're here for the class let's just do the class and then afterwards you kind of talk to them and see what they're about or uh, is there an arm around the shoulder like is it like what kind of what's uh, like what's the vibe
1: The the classes are hard uh, for sure. Classes are very hard. Um, we, but we don't expect as much as we would for a normal CrossFit class. You know, uh, we, we meet everybody where they're at, but like some, some days, um, you know, a, a tool I like to use is, uh, before we kick off, especially with like a new group of folks is like, all right, everybody raise your hand if you're going to quit this workout and of course like no one no one, no, no one raises their hand and then i'm like all right so we've all agreed that no matter what for the next 20 minutes however many long it's going to be that like you're not going to quit on that person next to you or you're not going to quit on me yeah. no matter how hard it gets and then you know sure enough 4 minutes into it they might <laughs> slow <laughs> they might slow down or they might you know do something or some people will walk off and
0: leave yeah. and um and I'm just like, hey, you get you get the van, you drive after them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's not for like, it's just not it's not for you right now. Yeah, um, and so we, we we try to we we try to ratchet up the physiological stress um, to get them to understand they're capable of overcoming that when they're inpatient in the in the under like under treatment with us like um when you when they get through that so it's very it's kind of hard to describe like we're getting people at different aspects in their journey like yeah. we're not working with a, i'm not hiring a guy on day one that he's in treatment like he's had
0: to have been six yeah. eight months sober prior to that that but that so just okay i'm i'm a a person who comes in and I need to I need to avail of the treatment that's available or whatever, and I come in and it's my first session. Like, what's what's the pitch? Like, is it like, um, is the idea of it? This is my understanding from from watching the documentary, but correct me if I'm wrong, um, please. So my understanding of it is it's basically similar to how, uh, like kind of a lot of the purpose of crossfit from my perspective is if you can do a hard crossfit workout like there's very little else that you'll encounter in life that's as difficult as like in you know the intensity of the feeling of pain and wanting to quit and wanting to give up and the my legs are sore my lungs are sore i'm like i've got the i can feel fran lung starting i need to slow down like that kind of feeling and then you have something happen and i don't even mean something physical but you have something maybe like emotionally stressing happen in your everyday life and like i've had that sometimes where i think like well it's not as bad as that time i did 50 calories (laughs) like it's just like those kind of things is that the logic that it's the same kind of it's just applied to the addiction and the you know like here you can if you can get through this and if you can control this imagine how you can apply that to other aspects
1: that's the 100 it 100 like you know greg always said the greatest adaptation to crossfit happens in between your ears um, but like, we really don't focus on what that adaptation is from the, you know, from the response to the stimulus of the physiological stress that is CrossFit. And, and what it is, is it's accelerating as fast as we can the quit. Don't quit conversation. Yeah. That happens. I mean, I've been fucking doing this forever. And like, just this morning I was like, God damn it. I don't want to do, I don't feel like doing this, but like, it's just that little bit of. Hey, it's my little victory for the day. And then understanding that I am a product of my training. I can scream that I'm a mentally tough dude on top of the mountaintops, but like I earn that mental toughness by what I do every day. Yeah. And that's the magic of what we do in these classes. And not only presenting that, but helping them understand. And this is like, we stumbled upon this with this specialized population we're working with but like this is something gym owners can do every day like everybody's dealing with something Um, and you can use the tool the, the workout is just a tool and then get them to be like the focus of today is we're working on awareness and I want you to be aware in your thoughts at what point in the workout you thought it really started sucking and that's it today that's it they just want you to have awareness. And then we sit down afterwards and we, we have a conversation like, hey, when was it the worst for you? Like, when did you really think, uh, oh, it was after round three or whatever. And then it was just like, well, what, what from the coach did you hear that helped you power through that? Or what were you telling yourself? And now we need to be, when we're out in the other 23 hours of the day, when you find yourself in another stressful situation, because you're going to try to bring yourself back to that moment to push
0: through it. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, it's like, I like it. It's interesting. Um, and then, so the, the, you go, you go through the steps. So obviously I'm in a, I'm a model. Um, a model crossfit class goer so you instantly think like all right doc Spartan material let's hire him um so I finished the I finished my time in the clinic and it's like right uh you go with Dale and he's gonna sit you down and I don't know show you how to make soap <laughs> and then <Wow>. uh, <laughs> and then you're you so like is there is there the interview process is conducted basically so i'm assuming there's some kind of formal like congratulations you have the job like there's actually it's actually one little clip in the documentary yeah, where, yeah. You, where you hire people and oh. and then is it just like okay start working here's your the wage that we're agreeing on and then you live your life you know you live do whatever you need to do come to work earn your money and go to crossfit classes
1: Yes. Basically, at, at, the way it works is if we, if we have an opening uh, and we need to, you know, somebody's either leaving to go take a better job or we're growing or whatever, I'll be like, hey, uh, hey, Tony, like, we'll let you know we got a job opening that'll come available. Fuck if you're Tony, interested.
0: Peter. Fuck Tony. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, Peter, we, yeah, got, we got a job opening available coming up if you're interested uh, we'd love to have you. It's going to be part time, you know. Just try to lay out all the expectations. Um, if they want it, they'll, they'll come on down the road. We start off part time, and like basically we we have or we have two rules. It's be on time and always be accounted for. Um, if you're on time and you're accounted for, then we can work with you.
0: What do you mean by accounted for?
1: So just like, hey, if you if you've agreed that you're going to work these hours, and it, Wednesday pops up and you're not here on Wednesday, and we you've not communicated and we don't know okay. where you
0: are, you broke that rule. Yeah, then you're obviously going to assume the worst. Yeah, yeah, and so it was, that's absolutely.
1: it. Like, we and is there tr- is there,
0: am I am I currently in an outpatient facility? Like, am I being yeah. housed, or how does that work?
1: yeah to work to work for us you have to be in an outpatient so there's a myriad of ways like we want them to still be under care of the counseling center and the counseling center has what's called transitional living okay um so to get in that kind of subsidized living
0: there you're back now yeah i just made it i just made an awful joke about portals <laughs> should be able to afford better wi-fi um okay so uh It's remarkable, really, because like I've heard Greg talk a lot about, you know, the the most vexing problem thing. And I think it's, you know, that's I think the problem that Greg was trying to solve is obviously a lot more widespread or a lot more like it's like literally everywhere. Like, you know, obesity is literally everywhere. And like you can't go anywhere without seeing it basically now. It's Mm -hmm. like it's gone insane. Um and like levels are increasing and increasing or whatever, and you know, like I think it's it's interesting though how the the solution that he found for that problem can be transferred to this, like which is I don't know how you describe it, like it's equally vexing, it's like upsetting, I don't know, it's like unfair, it's a it's hard to think of a catchphrase for your problem or Portsmouth's problem. Um, is this something then that you think? will be rolled out like wider and wider, like to other areas and other uh, towns and cities that have been impacted in a similar way. Do you think? I, I would certainly hope so. Um,
1: yeah. I, I think like there should be for, there should be a relationship with, between every affiliate owner and a behavioral health center um, in every town. Uh, you know, this issue is never going to be solved overnight. Um, but, explain to me why a good group of people and why group exercise wouldn't help it
0: yeah um i can't i can't can't, Dale, i can't (laughs) (laughs) um and it
1: just like you know we're working the in the states like for you know for it to truly be paid for by healthcare. like you need science and you need data and you need studies We're, we're trying to work on all that but um like this, this is like people seek addictive substances because they're going through some sort of traumatic emotional pain. Um, and we need to work on that pain that what is causing them to seek those addictive substances. And you can make the case for like obesity is like, you're just choosing sugar instead of heroin. Um, and we just like, we really just need the opportunity to to be around good people and uh do things together man like it's the solution's fairly simple it's hard to do at scale
0: um but like it's there have you gotten much uh pushback like locally like from portsmouth itself or people in portsmouth
1: say that again sorry
0: have you had much pushback from people in Portsmouth or like from the town or from Man it
1: it it varies dude like what we're fighting more than anything is just kind of like we're fighting guys like me who want to blame addicts. Yeah. Um and it's tough. Like I know. I
0: I'm just showing your trailer while you're gone. there. <laughs> we actually uh, just when you were gone there we actually watched the entire movie when you were gone. <laughs> um, <laughs> um yeah, so you're fighting against people that had the preconception that you had, basically. Yeah, and it's just um, like they don't
1: believe they should have access to care. Um, why are we wasting our money on this? Um,
0: kind of stuff like that. You look great there, Dale. Like you look great today, but you know look- that well, that there's like a person on Kelly Clarkson, that's why. Yeah, but still. It's still <laughs> it's still you that's there. Like it's not a fake, <laughs> no, it's not like a it's AI. Yeah, yeah. Um Oh man, I've been shook by AI today now. Where I was doing something on Photoshop and the picture that I had wasn't wide enough. There was like a white gap. And if you highlight the area and click like generate fill, it f- like it f- the AI fills the gap. Oh dude. But like perfectly. Like the picture I had was of like uh CrossFit East Nashville, right? And it just uh-huh. ended, and there's just white. And when it filled it, there was a fucking athlete in the background. Like, I was like, "How did it know that this?" this... And I, like, I could not. I genuinely nearly fell off my chair. Was this like,
1: like uh, Canva's AI integration or like it's what...
0: Photoshop's? Yeah, it was just. Okay. I was just like, uh, like I was watching a video of it, and it was like left click, right click, do this, and I was like doing it, and then it was like generating, and it was like sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work, and whatever. And I was like, oh, "Okay, well, what the fuck?" Yeah. <laughs> <I was> like. <laughs> It was like it had it had lines on the floor. There's no lines on the floor in the rest of the uh, picture, and then there was a line like a perfectly like a CrossFit line, you know, like right. on the floor. There was like a rack with kettlebells that wasn't there, and that isn't there's none on that wall, and it was yeah. just perfectly placed. And there was an athlete that I fucking swear was Tola Marquinho as well in the background. <laughs> it's like it was just bizarre. Um, but yeah, that's an aside. Um, so. The aim then, uh, what what about like rolling out like have you have you talked across it much like to HQ much? Are you trying to like make it um, obviously the aim of the movie is to make it more widely known and make it more mm-hmm. like uh, I guess would it be fair to say that the purpose of the movie is to share the story and like to you know show what's possible and show that like this works and that it's an answer to the problem or or a way of combating the problem, but also, those people that you're arguing with, it answers that, like, I mean, I had no idea at all, and I still had preconceptions, and it hasn't affected me in any way, shape, or form in my entire life, but I still have preconceptions about it, and this film answered all of those preconceptions and told me that I was a fucking idiot in the first place. (laughs) Uh,
1: You know, awareness and education never hurt anyone. Yeah, Uh, You may not agree with it, but at least you get to hear a side of it that you probably never Never heard before, um, and and yeah, like we we want to get the message out that it's like I said, it's not the solution to the problem, but it's a solution to the problem. And we understand that our audience is going to be you know heavily skewed in the CrossFit direction. And um, for those who feel called to do so, um, there's there's a there's a method out there to do it, and it, you know they could take it upon themselves to do it nothing stopping them or you know we would love to help them as well and i believe like um you know nicole and i nicole Carroll and i've talked a few times and, and there hopefully may be something in the future that um have like more
0: of a formalized course around it is this cheap legal because you were driving around in that in the film is that like a roadworthy vehicle that you're allowed to drive around town in or is that no. just like never let the question of legality get in the way of that because <laughs> so that, that was the old, like you were driving you were driving in what was it, what's the event what's the event you do um the gauntlet the gauntlet yeah you it was to do with that you were driving around with that and i was like is this just like did he bring it there to drive around the area that it is or has he actually driven this on a road where taxed vehicles I mean short vehicles drive Hey brother, that that old girl's got set a license plate. She's got insurance. She's a
1: fully licensed vehicle.
0: Okay, that's okay. That's fair then. Um, so that's the gauntlet then. That's like basically your big community, your annual community event. Your big like hard like it's a bizarre workout as well. Like it doesn't follow your standards. like.
1: No, not you've at
0: come all. A, you've come a long way from your classic twenty one fifty nine kettlebells in uh, global gyms.
1: Yeah, we uh, we we try to make it the most non CrossFit CrossFit competition uh, there is. Yeah, yeah, Um, and we you know we want people to work. It's a team competition, and we do wild stuff
0: uh, with just we try to do different wild shit every year. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Okay, so Tuesday, the uh, there are your options. Yep, Apple and Vimeo. and if you're like me, if you've never
1: pre-ordered anything in your life, uh, try something new
0: today. Yeah.
1: <laughs> today's the day. Why is pre-ordering important? So here's why it's important: is because it helps in the rankings the day the film is released. Okay. So how, like uh, midnight October third, however many pre-orders we have in the queue, those all flood in at once which will help the rankings and the higher up it goes, the more, the more attention it'll generate.
0: Yeah. The more people see it, the more people will watch it, the more, yep. et cetera. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Um, Cause you always see people talking about pre-orders and I think people tend to just say, you know, don't understand, don't ask, don't know. Right. So I think like, it's just, that's why I asked. Um, I knew, obviously I knew the answer. Um, Kenneth says my accent is going strong today. Do you know what, Kenneth, I actually have a bit of a head cold and I'm tired. And I think that's why I'm not putting in. Usually, I make a big effort, especially if I'm talking to an American. I make a big effort to slow down and to like. Okay. Yeah, but I've. I, I want to
1: get. I want to get you over here uh, next time you're in the states. Well, I want you'll leave with a full-on hillbilly accent.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I said, I'm friends with uh, Tyler Watkins, so I feel oh, like if his, yeah. <laughs> if his, if his doesn't rub off on of me somehow. And he's tried to rub off on me many times, but if he if his accent doesn't rub off on me, I don't think anyone's will. because
1: he, he's he's known for that.
0: His is the only yeah his is <laughs> there's yeah there's uh, <laughs> there's warning posters up. His is the only accent. Um, it's the easiest accent, the easiest American accent to do is like his like it's just so classic. He's got it, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's just so classic. He's living that character for sure. Yeah, yeah. Listen thank you uh, for coming on Congratulations on everything you've achieved In Portsmouth um, And with this film like it is f- Like genuinely amazing Like it's a I really really it. good film I really loved it you, um, the, It releases on Tuesday You can pre-order it, do pre-order it If, you go, if you're planning on watching it you pre-order it because You'll have it to watch straight away and it also Helps Dale and helps the guys Chase uh, yeah. the guys that, that put it out there as well yeah. Um, And yeah thank you It's been great getting to talk to you
1: Next time we talk, I'll have better internet, I promise.